When you think about bath time, what comes to mind? If you're a parent of a young child, perhaps it's the challenge of getting your kid into the tub. If you grew up watching Sesame Street, it might be this. Oh, rubber ducky, you're the one. You make bath time lots of fun. And if you're someone who loves the 80s, this might come to mind. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. Bathing has meant different things to many cultures over the centuries. Dr. Paulette Kaufman-Sherman, a psychologist here in New York City, dives deep into the history and power of a mindful soak in her new book, The Book of Sacred Baths, 52 Bathing Rituals to Revitalize Your Spirit. Paulette, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, George. I'm so happy to be here. So first of all, what is a sacred bath? Hmm... The sacred bath is my favorite part of the day. It would be distinctive from a regular bath because you don't focus on shaving your legs and, you know, washing your hair. It's really a special time just for you um, where you connect to your spirit and you let go of all lower uh, thoughts and emotions and things like that and you connect to love. So how do you prepare for a sacred bath compared to just going in to get clean? I have to say, don't let it scare you because I personally hate to clean, (laughs) so (laughs) it wouldn't be my first thing to do. But, I mean, the idea is to just take a few minutes to make something sacred. So I have everything right there. I have a tiny, tiny bathroom. That's the first thing I should say because most people see my cloth tub on my cover that (laughs) they're all just so jealous, and as am I because I don't have a house, and I have a tiny bathroom. So that does not matter. I have a regular apartment bathtub, but I have, like, seventh-generation cleaner right on the toilet, top of the toilet. I just spray it down Super quick. I have. I bring in a towel and a washcloth. Just wa- get in. Just wash it once like that. You don't have to really even scrub. Um, and then you know, clear it. Let, and then let it start filling up. Then I run and get a little candle from the kitchen, which is right across the way. Light it. And um, I have a little bag underneath the, you know, I don't know if everyone has a cabinet. Most people do under the toilet. I mean, under the sink. And I have Epsom salt in there. And I pour in some Epsom salt, my essential oils that go into the recipe. Um, And I have a little wire whisk that you can just whisk it around or you could use your hands. Then I turn off the light. Um, You can have a little timer because and I'm very efficient all about this because I I really only have 25 minutes tops because I have two little kids and I have to take them to camp and I have to get to work. I commute. So 25 minutes is what I ask for for this. And that's it. So people will relate to that. And then um, once I put everything in, I whisk it around. I close the light. I do a little meditation that's in my book and uh, move the candle from the sink into the bathtub and climb in. And then that's the time that you just relax and you receive guidance. You do your meditation and prayer and you feel a million times better afterwards. How do you convince people in your household to leave you alone for those 25 minutes? Well, let me tell you, it was not easy. (laughs) It is now, though. So it's a good case for behavioral psychology. But um, especially when you have like I think when I started this process, well, now my daughter is five and my son is eight. Um, so they've kind of learned the routine. But I guess I started this maybe three years ago. So you can imagine they remember something in the beginning and then five minutes later they forget. So it's good to have a physical reminder. And when I took them to get pumpkins for Halloween, we walked into this crazy like farm type store and they had an adorable sign that says do not disturb with like a vintage lady on it. So I have that as a physical reminder on my door, any do not disturb sign. But also I explained to them, mommy is going to bath. First of all, I'll say, does anyone need the bathroom? Because otherwise you're going to be like, we want to come in, you know. And usually my husband will be around, so they know to ask him. But otherwise, at this point, they can kind of watch TV. They know not to fight, and it won't be that long. They're kind of used to expecting it unless it's an emergency. 
So um, that's good, you know, or I can find the time like even right between work and, you know, I'm, I'm able to find the time. If it's really important to you, you can find 25 minutes during the day, even if it's at night. I like to do it in the morning because then it sets me up for the whole day and I feel great going to work and feel really centered. So basically, I explain that to them and trial and error, and then they know that it's very important time for me and that it really does, you know, change my mood. So it's good for them too, like, you know, because <laughs> it if pays I've had, off in the end, yeah, if I've if they've woken me up and I've had very little sleep or or something like that, I really feel like I've slept after I have that time. So how do you mentally prepare for taking a sacred bath? You know, we all have a lot of cobwebs in our head. We have a lot of thoughts running around there. But how do you prepare to sort of let that go, relax, and as you said, meditate while you're in a bath? That's a great question because uh, I originally started this practice because I was trying to meditate on a pillow and they kept running in and I didn't know how to do it. And I'm sure I would have figured it out, but I found that First of all, it's quiet. It's dark. They leave you alone. So that already is half the battle. Um, and it feels great because you have, if you've ever smelled essential oils, I meant to actually bring you one, George, <laughs> to smell it, but I forgot. But uh, it smells amazing. When you hand it to somebody, it just already shifts your mood. So you have the oils, you have the candle, and all of that um, – wonderful stuff around you. It's very sumptuous. So you're relaxed. You feel happy just because of that. And then you imagine any negative thoughts or feelings just going down the drain and let and just bathing in unconditional love. And then you also invite in a higher, either your higher self, if you are agnostic and don't believe in a higher power. But personally, I'm very close to like my angels and, you know, I believe in the, the divine goddess. So I call in different ones and they're even angels with different purposes. And I go, depending how much you're into all of that, into that in my book in case it's of interest to some. But just the idea that you have sort of a divine team or a higher self that sees things from a higher perspective and is love is so important these days, um, particularly, I know, with what's going on recently. I mean, people mm-hmm. I have people who are depressed and anxious anyway, you know, regular everyday people. But with what's going on where we don't know one day to the next what's going to happen, to be able to have that reset button and be able to let things go and be present and be in a state of love and just do that part ourselves is so important. So. So what inspired you, a psychologist, to write a book about sacred baths? Good question. I think just my personal um, experience. I mean, some of my books I've written have just been triggered from seeing things over and over again with clients. Sometimes it's something I see that would be helpful to children because I have my own kids. And in this case, it was actually a practice that was helpful to me. Um, so I When do did s- you start taking sacred baths? So I started taking them because uh, when I turned 41, the day before, actually, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it was a serious kind. It was triple negative. Um, Luckily, it was only stage two. But I had to go through a year of chemo, radiation, and lumpectomy. So I started to do some spiritual work at that time because my first thought was like, oh, my God, am I going to die? I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I was very scared at first. Um, And I did get my own message before I started to work with someone else, and it said I was walking on the beach, and it said, like, don't worry. You're going to be okay. It's going to be a hard year, but um, you do have, you know, you've accomplished these five things, but you still have a legacy of 22 books to write. Anyway, so that was a shocker. But besides that, um, you know, so I started to write the books as part of my legacy experience and put them in hope chests for my kids and stuff like that. And that's a journey in of itself. But I started to do my spiritual work. And part of that was learning to connect to spirit on a daily basis and shift from fear to love because cancer is a very scary word. So I didn't want to, even for my nervous system and my immune system, I wanted to be in a state of love, be present as much as I could. And so I learned different tools. And one of them was meditation. But when my teacher gave me assignment, 
Anthony would say, like, on Wednesday, so how often did you connect? And I'd be like, well, I did it twice, like, on the train, I listened to it, you know, or in the hospital. And I'm a good student, so I wasn't satisfied with that. So then I just um, didn't tell him, but I started taking baths anyway. And it wasn't what you see in the book now. First, it was just a quartz crystal candle. And then eventually I started, when I started learning and taking classes on essential oils, putting that in. So one thing I would say is it's not necessary to have, like, a billion things to do this process. It's the intention and uh, that is the most important. And then that just creates different layers of the thought form, which is just nice and fun. But you don't have to feel like you need five billion things. So I started to do the bath um, sometimes a couple times a week. And I found I got a ton of guidance that way, mostly because it was quiet and relaxing, but also because I would be very specific about what I was asking and very focused. And it was known to be that time. And uh, then I would journal about it afterwards. So that became, you know, a wonderful gift to myself. What can you tell us about the history of spiritual bathing? There is a very big history. I can tell you that. Right now, even um, in Japan and China, communal bathing is huge. And unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to go there yet. But my dad did. And he was saying how amazing it is. Um, I've been to some places where before I was even writing this book where I had some experiences like Turkey, they have hammams. And I think I went with my mom when I was a lot younger and I got scrubbed. And that was quite an experience. Greece, they have baths. Um, in Judaism, and I'm not very religious, but I'm exposed to it. I am Jewish. Uh, they have mikvahs. And so I tried to go to one because I think you're supposed to be married in the very religious circles. And um Otherwise, you can only go certain times, I think. But it was an amazing experience where you ask God to be part of your marriage, and the lady told me what to do. And and that was really a special experience, too, um, if anyone wants to try that. There's so many other ones. I think the um, Hindus have a ritual in um, Tantra. They have massage and certain rituals even, you know, um, that include bathing, too. So, And I'm probably not even covering them all at the moment, but... Uh, there are many, many cultures. And even here, if you wanted, one of them is uh, Greco-Roman. Uh, there's a place called Air Bass in the village that I went to that was amazing. I went with my husband. And it's like, you feel like you're an Egyptian priestess. There's brick walls everywhere. There's a tepidarium, a floatatarium, if you've never been. And it is expensive. We got to go for free, actually. I think it's normally like 150 But they have tea. It's like it's like an amazing, even for yourself. And you get to float in certain pools. Certain pools are all different temperatures. And they have music. So that was quite interesting. So yeah. You write in the book that bathing and water are symbolic. Yes. What are they most associated with? Well, to me, um, and I live right by the ocean, but Divine Mother and our unconscious, I feel so close. It's a very liminal space, the beach, but by the water, I feel so close to spirit. And um, I'd have to look it up, but there are many allusions to this in the Bible, like Miriam's well, um, when the people wa- walk through the water and it parted. So there's all these different instances where there's a divine presence there. And even with people who have been intuitive or psychics, they used to do scrying in the water where they would look into the water. I don't know if it was Nostradamus and they would see the future. So there's just so many instances like that. And in dreams, water means um, different things that are important too so it's a very big connection point not only to the divine but that you know that's where we're all one is in spirit in our spirit what kind of impact can water have on our minds how does it impact our consciousness it's funny i think there's a um a two-way relationship between water and ourselves and the person who would be great to talk to unfortunately passed away is dr mizuru moto i don't know if you've heard of him but he's written a whole series of books that were hugely successful 
And then actually when I was in the middle, I was going to dedicate the book to him. I did in part, but he passed away. Um, But he talked about messages in water. And so this is my long answer. But basically what he found is that our thoughts, our intentions, and our feelings directly impact water. And he was a scientist, and he actually would cryogenically freeze water and flash, flash freeze it and then look at it. And when he played positive music or had a positive intention, like said the word love to the water, or love and gratitude are very high vibrations, the water would make a beautiful picture. I actually even brought it for you because I didn't know if you'd seen these. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I just pulled out three. I have these cards, Dolphin, Soul, and Hope. And you can see the pictures here if you haven't seen them. Yeah, sure, pass them over. Okay, (laughs) so there you go. So you can see how beautiful they are. And I didn't bring the negative ones since I didn't feel like carrying them around. So the water (laughs) created these? So yeah, so that's water. And he said those words that are on the cards, the water, and then took a picture of how the water changed, right, based on the words and intention. And he even did studies with, like, rice that was in water. And if he said, you fooled to the rice for, like, a week, it would get all moldy. And the other one, he said, like, I love you. And it was a lot better, like, after a month or something like that. So there were a lot of tests. They even did groups of people would do an intention to body water and test the body of water, and it would improve. (laughs) So what's really interesting is, like, our thought – we are 70% water, and I think as babies we're maybe 90 so that is another thing we all have in common, right? It's even in us, right? So it's I tried to say this to my kids and it didn't really stick yet. But, you know, when my son gets jealous of my daughter and sometimes he'll like hit her, not hard, but just a little bit. But I, I tried to, he gave a free book, um, ebook. I forget the name of it, um, but you can look it up, Dr. Mizuramoto. And it's for kids. And it's very, you know, watered down. But you can see the idea that like when you say to your sister, you suck or whatever, she's water. And, you know, what pictures does that make in her? So it affects her deep down, right? And her, so not to make people feel guilty, but it is a powerful message. And so one thing about prayer is that it really will affect the water that you're immersed in, right? And also that's in you, what you feel. And, um, you know, prayer and also your thoughts. And so one thing he said was when you pray, it's better to say say it out loud, mm-hmm. he found. He actually tested this. So you, when you pray in the bath, you could say it out loud. And he said it's even stronger when you visualize something at the same time, which is a piece that I had already done that I found out later after the fact. So what my bath consists of is using the law of attraction, visualizing what you want, but being it now, letting, you know, having love come in as a very powerful emotion and prayer. Um, and so noticing your thoughts, feelings, and actions that they all align, like Gandhi talked about. So you're in your most powerful place with the water, right, before you go out into the world. So Your book includes 52 baths, one for every week of the year, right? Mm-hmm. How, that'd be good. Yeah, how, how do they vary? <laughs> That's for the lazy person because yeah, I take right. a bath like once or twice <laughs> once a year. A day, I'm almost right. like obsessed. <laughs> I'm not sure that's good, though, because I feel a little guilty about using water, but... Um, but I am giving a certain amount back to water uh, organizations. So there's many ways that we can be aware of our water usage and give it back to people. But anyway, yeah. So I How do those baths vary? <laughs> oh, okay. So I think that basic areas are six life areas, which I'll try to recall for you. But it was like your love life. Um, you know, you could be married, single, or in a relationship. Your career, your money areas, your health, some for your self-esteem and your moods. And also for your thoughts, for like releasing your thoughts and things like that. Um, and there are probably others that I'm not thinking of at the moment, George. But I tried to cover everything because as a therapist for at least 15 to 20 years, I feel like I've seen – I shouldn't say I've seen it all because then something new will come in. But I've seen a lot. And so I could just take the regular issues that I see, especially with Love Life or whatever, and try to create a bath where people could address it on some level and you know begin to man- – oh, one of them is goals and dreams was a big one for me because I always have a lot of projects, particularly with these 22 books. So I would climb in and they would hear, oh, you're going to write this book about this. Shagina and then like 
wow, it was right there, almost like a download. So that was really helpful to me. Or I'd have like column to write every month and I would get ideas really quickly. So for me, it made me much more creative. And they've found in um, flotation studies, actually, which is a little bit different, that the creativity is off the charts. They found with college students and that people say it's like four hours of deep meditation after 45 minutes. So there is something about water. You have a bath for detoxing from bad dates. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> and God knows we need it, right? <laughs> so, you know, the idea is that we internalize bad dates a lot of times. And I hear people say either that they just can't take it anymore, that, you know, they've had such a bad date, it's going to happen again and again. And they bring that forward onto the next unsuspecting nice person, right? So we do need something to kind of let that go and not play that movie in our head, either about ourselves or about the opposite sex. So it's a way to kind of release that negativity down the drain and visualize what you do want instead. And in the law of attraction, you know, what it basically talks about, whether you believe in that or not, is like, really only trying to spend some time thinking about what you do want to be an attract instead of what you don't, because in our heads, we're always worrying about what we don't want. And so that's important time to notice it and to try to shift that. You have another one for loving yourself madly. Uh-huh. Very important. Well, we are the source of everything that we create. So we need to love ourselves and to get back to a place where we're saying good things to ourselves. And again, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but if you can begin to do this, certainly on a daily basis, but even a weekly basis, then hopefully you can carry that out into the world. You also mentioned that you have baths to improve your career. So how can a bath help with your work life, help you financially? Okay, well, so with your career, a lot of times people say, you know, I hate my job, but I don't know what I'm really supposed to be doing. And a lot of times there were even studies that showed that people would rather shock themselves and be alone with their thoughts. Like they literally shock themselves. <laughs> so I found that pretty frightening. And, you know, when people used to do analysis, they spent a lot of time with themselves and they got more com comfortable with their shadow, with their negative thoughts and could sit with themselves. So this is a much more minor you know, act, but it helps with that. And I think that um, getting in touch with ourselves, all the thoughts and feelings helps us get in touch with who we are and what, what our soul's purpose is. And also asking our higher self that sees things from a higher perspective, not just all the mundane things that are going on, can really give us some perspective on that. So I think that getting in touch with who you really are, your true gifts, you can spend time doing that. When we're running around, we don't really have time to even think about that or the luxury. We're worried about paying our bills. Uh, you know, or about the, all the little crises that are going on with our ego mind. And that's another thing is that I think it helps us to get away from just our worries and our ego self, if you're familiar with that term, versus like who we really are in spirit. And we don't have enough time for that these days. So even taking 25 minutes can be a big deal. So yeah, and even in minute ways in your career, if you're having problems with your boss or someone's being mean to you, you could just start to react and get irritable instead of coming back to who you are and what you should do from a higher perspective. So you could ask those questions, you know, hey, what do I do in this situation or what's my next step of advancement? And then see what advice you get, what guidance, and then write it down and try to take action on it. So that would be an example in your career. It might sound silly, but if you like goddesses, you could call in Lakshmi. She's like the goddess of abundance, right? Or there are other ones, like Demeter is the goddess of the harvest. Or you could just call in your higher self and say, you know what? I've been feeling like um, scared that I don't have enough money and focusing on all the lack and feeling like I'll never go beyond who I am now. How do I start imagining who I want to be instead? And what's next for me? What is like one baby step, I always say, that I could take so that next month I would be doing this much better? So, And then you hold yourself accountable and follow through with that. So. So are the candles and the oils that you use different depending on what you want to achieve while in the bathtub? They are. And this is what I find have been scaring a few of my friends. <laughs> 
because maybe they're not into some people are not into so much into the spirituality. Llewellyn is a very spiritual publisher, so people have a quite a, an advanced level of knowledge sometimes. But this book can really work for everybody because, as I said, I knew nothing about essential oils when I first started taking the baths, um, and I got certified since. But the oils have very high vibrations. Some say the highest vibrations known to man, and there's a concept of a tr- entrainment. So that if you're sitting in the oils, some people say that that automatically raises your vibration, and they have shown that it affects your mood because it affects the limbic system, even the smells. So it's just wonderful anyway, regardless of whether you believe that. But it does that as well. And there are different um, properties, you know, that go for the oils that match different vibrations and intentions. So, for example, if I really wanted to relax and I had a stressed out day, George, I would say, let me put some lavender in my bath, right? If I wanted to have a romantic couple's bath, which I have some couple's baths in there, you know, I might put in some jasmine for that. Um, and it's just fun and it smells great. And so I have little recipes and they teach you about the different oils if you want to do that. And and so it's like another level of knowledge. And the same with crystals, actually. So um, Now, you do recommend that couples bathe together. In fact, you uh-huh. and your husband take baths together, right? We do. <laughs> I was going to say he's probably going to be embarrassed that I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really normal guy, but yes. <laughs> what can that do for a relationship, taking a bath together? Um, I really feel like it's a wonderful experience because when you think about it, I mean, not to compare husband and wife or, or lovers to mother and, you know, but that was my first image just now because we talked about the divine being the ocean. And also we all come from the womb. And I mean, we spent nine months at least swimming around in there, right? It's very natural to us and it's very relaxing. And um, it's it's almost this oneness without words. And we call it attunement. Um, there's an attunement process without words when you just like are in this really relaxed space of meditation and prayer where you call in a higher purpose and you can visualize and pray. And I even wrote an article recently. I don't have it in front of me, but there were like many bullet points about the research on prayer and the things that it can do for couples. And that's just one aspect of the bath. So there are a lot of um, benefits that have been proven um, for couples and people in general. But I think for me personally, it was a free, I used to try to get my husband, because there's a lot of research saying that um, date nights, weekly date nights, hugely benefit marriage, even people who are living together without kids, and that their sex life is better, that there's less divorce rate. It's just really interesting. And I knew that before, but now the research shows it. So I would always tell that to my couples in therapy. But, you know, it gets expensive. Even if you get a babysitter every Friday for two hours, it really gets expensive. And we don't eat more than like $20 when we go to a restaurant. We have our certain restaurants or we'll maybe go to a movie. But we're really pretty cheap, you know. (laughs) So my husband was thrilled when I said, you know what? I don't want to stay home every week, but let's try this bath thing I'm doing. It'll be almost free, right? We don't need a babysitter. We could just slow dance or something. And he was like, yay, okay. <laughs> so he was willing to try it. And, you know, it is really relaxing because sometimes, like, he doesn't want to talk, let's say. If he's he's a social worker, he might have had a hard day. So you can be quiet. You can be romantic. You can, you know, visualize something positive. You're not fighting. And, you know, when you're angry, it's a really great thing because you need some some of that time out before you talk. But sometimes you'll have one person who feels really ignored and gets more infuriated because you just walk away they think you don't care so if you can do something where it's still a togetherness activity but you're not beating each other up and you're letting you know going to moving to a higher level and then maybe talk it can be great for something to shift the mood as well as a ritual so you mentioned paulette that you started to take sacred baths around the same time that you were diagnosed with breast Mm -hmm. cancer what can taking these types of baths do for your physical health um, they can be really helpful. I mean, I'm not a doctor in that sense. I'm a doctor of psychology, so I won't say anything like that. But I will say that they found through research that you have two different types of nervous systems. And I believe it's the parasympathetic that it's the good one. I might be saying it wrong, but I believe so. There's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And one of them is the fight and flight. 
which when we're in our ego mind, we don't have a lot of oxygen. We tend to speak very quickly. I think it's called the beta analytical mode. We're really overthinking things, and it's not good for our health, okay? We're rushing around, and we feel like there's a tiger when there's no tiger, right? And we all experience that when we're on the subway. We're, you know, we're New Yorkers. I don't know where, <laughs> maybe Californians don't experience But anyway, and so we need that time to learn if we're not going to meditate regularly, like just to go into that other healing nervous system, which expands our consciousness. It deepens our breathing. It lets in more oxygen and a sense of peace and well-being, which can really continue throughout the day or be an anchor for us to come back to that state. So it really does have physical benefits in that way. Plus, I have specific health baths that let you get in touch with like what would be good for my body right now, because I personally was very much in my head writing, doing a lot of things as a mom. And so I wasn't focused on my self-care. So I have self-care baths, but I also have like, let me connect for 25 minutes with my body. You know, what should I be eating right now? Or what would be a practice that I should integrate? And then, like I said, you need to have this little ritual afterwards for five minutes where you write it down or you might forget and, um, and then try to integrate it. What would you say are among the biggest misconceptions about bathing, about sacred baths that you're hoping to debunk with this book? Well, even though I love that, everyone loves that phrase, Calgon, take me away, huh. right? I think that uh, the idea, there was even an article, I can't remember if it was in the New Yorker, I thought it was kind of funny, where the woman said she, everyone loves baths, but she's tired of that. She's a shower person. She's tired of people saying, let me escape my life and go in the bath. It was a very strongly opinionated article. And I said, well, not all of us are trying to run away from our lives by taking baths, you know? It's fine to have your opinion, but I'm, I think that the idea that you are escaping things is not necessarily true because I found that you're coming home to yourself in a much deeper way. It's not only about your outside hygiene. It's actually a path to your inner transformation that you can actually, like, clean out your thoughts and your feelings, you know, um, by taking these sacred baths. So, um, and, you know, it's, it's a way to come home to a deeper understanding of your life, not only run away from your life, but say, what are my goals and how do I achieve it during this time? Because I think that 47% of Americans tend to dream about while they're on the can or something or in the bathroom in some form, dream about their future, but they're doing it unconsciously. They're probably worried about when am I going to get that house? When am I going to get the promotion? But they're not doing it consciously. So I tried to leverage an existing ritual in a better way you know, by helping them to plan their lives and um, appreciate themselves more during that time. What would you say are among the mistakes one could make when preparing a bath? Uh, mistakes? Uh, yeah. I don't like to think of mistakes because I think of every mistake. Uh, well, well, Oprah says every mistake is your is the universe's way of moving you in another direction. I feel like it's all learning. So, you know, I know there was a mistake that you and your husband made. Oh, yes, that's true. Thank you. You added too much okay, cinnamon. Okay, good. You gave me an idea because I was like, <laughs> where am I going to go with this? <laughs> Don't put too but, much uh, cinnamon in your bath. Yes, huh? that was a blooper. I even made a video about it because it was really funny. But um, this was, be, you know, before I was officially writing the book, but I had a couple's bath with my husband and I had read that cinnamon is a master oil for anger and he was like in a bad mood, right? And I was like, oh, I want to have a nice romantic evening. How do I shift his mood? So he, he said, just go. He's like, I'm going to lay here. You go make the bath. That'll come in. In, right. So I just put in whatever oils I wanted. So I put in a little bit of cinnamon. We got in. I don't even remember if I had Epsom salt at that time, which was a mistake because it's good to disperse the oils I learned. Anyway, we got in. We were both like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> it was really kind of painful after a few minutes. And then he, I thought he was going to get really mad and say, that's it. No more couples baths. But he said, no more cinnamon baths. <laughs> so he was pretty reasonable. 
Um, and, you know, there are a few oils, like, unfortunately, I had to pick one of them that are not good for the skin. And it also depends, like, you know, how sensitive you are. But most of them are okay. And the ones that are the spice oils can be used in a diffuser, which is something you can buy if you want to smell them and have those shifts in your emotions. So how do you maintain the positive feelings brought on by taking a sacred bath? I mean, what if you get out of the bath and your kids have run amok, the kitchen is a mess, but you want to maintain that feeling of calm. All of us are in that struggle because we're in physical bodies and we have to react to our outside and, and there's outside energy affecting us. But the main thing we do have control over is ourselves and our consciousness. And that consciousness affects everyone we touch. So the idea is we'll be that much more ready when that stuff comes at us and we'll react in a different way to it. That's what I find. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not perfect, but I'll be in a better mood if I have, I'll say to them, to hold that thought and let me take my bath and then you'll come tell me and I'm in a better mood to deal with whatever it is and we have a better walk to camp and you know and if that commute goes right I'm in a calmer place you know and I remember that energy and those messages and I've already given a gift to myself so I filled up with love and then I'm better able to give to everyone else so you know I can't say it's perfection there's no such thing but it's just a good practice that will help is what I would say. You touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious, do you find yourself walking a fine line often while you're talking about the spiritual to people who really don't necessarily get it, don't fall in line with the angels, but still want to feel more relaxed and kind of like the concept of the baths, but aren't quite so sure? I mean, my honest answer is I really felt like this book could you know, relate to everybody because I think my husband believes in God. I never really had this conversation with him, but he doesn't really believe in angels. And I just took a fairyology course online with Doreen Virtue, and he just like rolls his eyes at me. But, you know, it's like, you know, but he still enjoys the baths, you know, and, and I just think that there's different levels of getting something of worth from people. So I don't think it has to necessarily be connect with your angel time, bathe with your, you know, archangel. It could be, you know, and it could be nice to have that divine support when no one else is supporting you or to get amazing guidance. But start where you are is what I would say. So thanks so much for coming yeah. in. Thank you. Dr. Paulette Kaufman Sherman is a licensed psychologist here in New York City and the author of 21 books, including her latest, The Book of Sacred Baths. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.